You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fair Game podcast. I'm Robert Smith, your host. I want to thank you all for listening. I really appreciate all of you uh, who have tuned in, all, uh, all nine of you, all season long. You guys are fantastic. Today's guest is an entertainer who tends to amaze, amuse, daze, and confuse. He joins us today from his home in Oregon. Folks, this is Adam the Great. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Rob Smith. How the heck are you, man? Oh, my God. I'm amazing. I uh, was glad that we got to catch up there in Arizona for a few days at the Verde Valley Fair. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's good to be kind of starting to get some work again. How are things looking for you? Really good, really good. And I want to thank you for the Verde Valley Fair for acting in as my physical therapist for oh, yeah. my recent wrist surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You were applying the K tape on me and KT tape. I and I became a I became a K tape expert. I'd never used this stuff before. And you were like, no, 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 pull it tighter. No, not not that tight. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, but we got it like, down. I feel like I've heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> we so got it down though. How's the surgery? How's the wrist healing up? Your surgery, it's all done. Is are you healed completely yet or you still got a little more time to go? Uh, pretty well healed up. It was pretty amazing. I was, uh, according to my therapist, physical therapist, I was a couple weeks ahead of schedule and healing. And so I uh, just met the surgeon yesterday and he did some x-rays and checked it out a little bit. He goes about one more month and full use, put on good. full power of weight, everything on it. So, so hopefully by the time you hit the heart of your season here, you'll be good to go and won't be K-taping anymore. No more. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, that was then- the... Fortunately, that was the only fair I had to KT tape at because that was exactly six weeks out of surgery. So right. I was still a little tender then. And But, you know, with all you guys' help, I was able to pound through that week. That was a fun time. Yeah, it was nice. And, uh, you know, Colleen does a great job over there. I think everybody was just so relieved to be, to have things moving again, to have an event, see the Ferris wheel lit up. And, you know, I know for you and I to actually be out working and, and doing our thing, it was a, uh, it was a nice change. Yeah, it was surreal. I was like, what the heck? You know, yeah, after, after a year off, it was, uh, you know, um, did you find, I think I remember talking when you were first performing, like, were you sluggish? Because I know when I was getting in, in Conjure, um, I, I just felt my timing was off. My, like, things were, I had to get used to things again and being back in the, in the fortune box. Did you find the same thing with your magic? Like, were your, your jokes off or your timing was off on certain things? Yeah, yeah, my my rhythm was definitely a little bit askew there. Um, not only did it, was my rhythm a little bit off, because you got to be in front of people constantly to keep that rhythm and and right. the uh, the vibe and the energy you get from the audience, because that's what keeps me going. But I mean, with the combination of being six weeks out of surgery, I was already a little bit limited with some of the stuff I was able to perform. Not that the audience knew, because you know I don't tell them what I should could do, but of course. I, I you know with that, and then also. Um, we're just trying to get back into it, but it, it came back really fast. Like yeah. within, you know, that last set of the first day, you know, you got the energy, you're feeling like ether under you. You're like, Oh my God, this is fun. But boy, I was drained that first day. It was just, I, like I went home and ate. I was out like a light. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Everything for me for that week just seemed with conjure seemed off the whole time. And I think part of that was because one, I hadn't been in it in a year over a year and two, we've had fundamentally had to change the attraction, putting glass in the box to make it COVID safe. That just felt very awkward trying to get used to that. Things echoed in the, like there was just things I got to get used to. So, yeah. you know, we got it set up in the garage now. And, and so that, you know, here and there I can get in it for a little bit every day and or, or a few times a week and just kind of mess around so that when I go out to OC fair here in July, 
I'm ready to go. Yeah, you'll be back in uh, performance shape. <laughs> well, hopefully, I got to be at the gym a little more before I'm going to really fit in that box. Because I tell you what, that uh, the vest is a little bit tight right now. <laughs> I need to lose yeah, so, that. So was mine. It, so was mine. If you noticed, I uh, didn't button my vest up that whole fair. It was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would have busted. I would have busted every button out. So. You and I both, as I like to say, I didn't catch COVID nineteen, but I did gain it. So. Yeah, I, uh, I gained the twenty. Yeah, it, it's you know. There's worse problems to have. I can't really complain about that. So, uh, Adam the Great, that's an interesting, uh, in- the Great, that's an interesting name. Is it, is it like a family name or what? No, 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 not a family name. It was a name given to me very, very early in my career uh, when I started magic. And all the magic books, they were like, you know, you got to come up with, you know, your magic name and stuff like that. And I always wanted to have something very cool. And it was my first performance gig at this place called the Edelweiss Inn. It was a German restaurant that featured singing waiters and a live accordion player. Well, I couldn't sing, so I talked them into hiring me as a magic waiter. And as I was performing there, there was a family that used to come in and see me. They'd see me come in about every couple of weeks. And this little girl, her name was Aurora. She's nine years old. And at the end of my performance, one of the nights, she walks up to me and she had drawn me a picture. And I wish I had it right here. I still have the picture today. And it's actually on my website in the uh, photo gallery. But it was a picture she drew of me wearing a cape. And she goes, I loved your magic. You're great. You're Adam the Great. And she gave it to me. And I looked at it and I went, perfect. And so I just, from that day forward, I built myself as Adam the Great. Adam the Great. Yeah. Even though it's a lie. (laughs) <laughs> no, Adam no. Awesome. You, I, yeah adam the awesome and see that's why i figured if i'd stayed in magic i would have been robert the average or robert the just below average yeah 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 could <laughs> <You> be. <know. laughs> you'd be one adam 12 you one adam 12 right uh so how'd you get involved in the fair industry because you've been doing magic a long time obviously anybody who's a magician they don't start out in fairs they start out you know get the first trick start figuring things out and you know, annoying their parents with a magic trick like I did, I know. And then at some point you made the jump into fairs. How'd that happen? Well, that happened after uh, I was performing for several years. It was about 2006 and 2007. I think if you remember, that's when I, the economy crashed and things were pretty bad. And all my corporate events pretty much took a tank. Yep. And around that time, my local agency, uh, Tyler Bechtel, uh, he owned uh, PDX Entertainment, he encouraged me to uh, come with him to a fair convention and he showcased me in my first one in 2007 uh, in Oregon. And that's how I kind of just started in the business. And from there forward, I started going to all the other conventions, you know, the Rocky mountains, the Washington, Arizona's and stuff like that. And right. holy moly, just uh, kind of took over my life. Um, so yeah, that was, it was uh, pretty interesting and pretty uh, fortunate when it happened because I went from having no work and then it just seemed like, that filled up the whole void I had missing right. for those that year and a half when we were dealing right. with uh, the crash and stuff. So, right. But you stayed committed with Ferris. You know, there were, Absolutely. Um, th- there were, there's always, whenever the market goes rough, there's always a whole bunch of corporate performers that try to jump to the fairs. They think, well, that'll do for now. And they tend to use the market as a placeholder, but you stuck with it. You Absolutely. came in and you committed and, and you've done great work with the industry. Well, I had great mentors from the very beginning when I came in there. Uh, Marty Davis, uh, John Dunnigan. I mean, some of the Pam Schultz, some of those, uh, some of those people that um, have been in the fair industry for so long. As soon as they, they're so gracious. When I first started, I had nothing but people giving me wonderful advice. Everybody wants you to succeed, and there's a work right. out there for everybody. And so, I really, really uh, just 
gravitated toward that. And I love the atmosphere. I love the camaraderie. I love all the people that I get to see on the road. I mean, I mean, just, you know, the forged relationships that you have with everybody like you, I hadn't seen you in a year. Right. Yeah, and then what is least. it like as soon as, as soon as I see you, I'm right back to Razzie. You're like, I yes, we both go right back to, you know, to <laughs> poking fun at each other and trying to prank each other and doing whatever, we, you know, is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, so you know, it's, to keep, keep it, keep it light, you know, of yeah. course, you know, it seems the handful of times we've worked together at fairs, it seems like you really are a master of close up magic. Is that the primary thing you do with your show is close up or do you do anything besides close up? Oh, I definitely do a stand-up stage show as well. Uh, but close-up is, for most magicians, is where they start. Sure. So I, I definitely have a place in my heart for close-up magic. And there's nothing like performing for an audience, you know, of six people that's so close and intimate. And you can read their faces. You can, you know, use the psychology to give them the best magic moment, which is what I've always tried to do. Like, I don't take myself seriously. Um, but, you know, that's what makes my magic be funny because you know it's magic i mean there's right. a trick to it but my job is to uh take them on that adventure and give them that moment and when that happens it's it's nothing better than see it right in front of your face you get the same thing from a stage too so sure either on stage or strolling i love them both so now when you're doing a stage show are you doing like big illusions or are you doing just more like uh kind of platform i don't know what we would have called it back in the day like a club size stage yeah, I do uh, parlor tricks. I do some yeah. illusions. It all depends on the venue that's hiring me. Yeah. Uh, coming up in Eastern Idaho, they're hiring me for some uh, illusion show. So I'll have an assistant with me and, and full on illusions in the show. And Oh, cool. So you do like you, you have a whole scale of from just a strolling close up all the way up to illusions you can do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So and does know, the assistant be... cut you in half or how does that work? No. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm not getting in that box. <laughs> I mean, no, it's it, like, I, we all want to watch you get cut in half, man. Like in Among Us, just slice you, you know? Yeah, but then it'll be half the man I used to be, so. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Listen, um, when it comes to magic in this industry, it's no secret that magicians in this industry, it's a very saturated field. There are lots and lots and lots of magicians what is it that really kind of differentiates you when you perform i think what it is is my ability to connect with people um i have always had that knack all the way back into well <laughs> in high school my connection with people got me in a lot of trouble because i wasn't directed and i didn't have that positive influence until i met the magician i kind of started late in magic i started when i was 18 Wow. Uh, right after right after graduation and uh i couldn't figure out why you know i i knew i wanted to be in front of people i knew i wanted to make people laugh but i didn't have a base on what i was doing and so when i first saw my mentor uh tony obero performing i was so enthralled i could not believe the impact he had on each table he went to and the way he transformed this room's energy and i was like i quartered him that night and that's i was like this is what i want to do and uh, he's been my friend today and he's just always like guided me in the right direction to, you know, didn't, didn't teach me too much. He, I was came from, come from the old school magicians right. where we had to go down to the magic store and yeah. buy uh, back in the VHS days. And remember <laughs> a, VHS, a VHS back in those days would cost 120 bucks. Oh, Never yeah. had 120 bucks when I was 19 years old. And so I had to learn from books right. and learn on my own and go show the magician, my mentors, what I'm working on. They're like, that's good. Try this. And they just smooth me out and take me to the next step. So, yeah. yeah. 
not like today where you can go on YouTube and learn any trick because there's always some 12 year old kid that'll expose it <laughs> and, well, and put it's it out fine. there. They can't, they can't do it on YouTube, but the thing is they're missing that I feel is they're missing the, uh, the close up connection and being you, you have to yes. be you when you perform. There's like, if I wasn't just a normal, charismatic, funny guy, love to be funny. That's not how I would perform. If I was a serious right. guy, I perform serious. You know, I'd be sure. the Max Maven, right? You know, right. But you also, but even Max, life. even Max Maven and his seriousness connected with the audience. And that's, I think I remember exactly. back in my days being a magician. That's the one thing that, you know, I'd go to, it's always funny. Every now and then I go to like to the magic club, whatever it was here in Albuquerque and um, you know, you get guys that would be like, you know, I'd book the New Mexico State Fair or I'd book an event and they'd be like, well, um, you know, I, I don't know why they didn't book me. You know, I'm here. I can do it. And uh, I would get the same thing when I traveled. Um, like the, my first major event was what was Puyallup was the Washington State Fair back in 2010. And I had magicians from all over that whole 17 days coming up to me. There are five or six of them over that course of that two and a half weeks that were coming up going, well, you know, I tried to get in here. I don't know how you did it from New Mexico. I tried to get in here and they just, they just don't hire anybody locally. And I'm like, you know, maybe the thing you're missing is that there's something more. Yeah. You can do the tricks, but can you entertain the audience? Can you connect with the audience? Can you connect with the buyer? you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there, there's so much more that, and that's the one thing I've always said with magic is that you can't walk into a, a, a juggling store you know you can't go on amazon or go to you know dubai or whatever and buy juggling clubs and then be like well i'm a juggler well no you're not you just bought juggling stuff but you can walk into a magic store and walk out and about 20 minutes later be like oh i can do this trick and then you think you're a magician but that doesn't make you an entertainer it doesn't mean you know how to connect with people yeah yeah and that's one thing that i watch when, when i watch it, it, there's a handful of guys a handful of magicians out there I'm not real for a long time. I wasn't tight with a lot of magicians. Just, I mean, you know how magicians, we get kind of standoffish, but you're one of those guys I can watch and I can see not only do you love what you're doing, but you connect with the audience and the audience enjoys your presence. They're not looking at it like, okay, wait, when does this magician yeah. leave? They really like having you around. They like what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's something I uh, definitely, uh, definitely take pride in in that because that's what it's all about if you're not connecting with your audience it's so boring I, I there's nothing worse than seeing a guy do a magic trick with no personality behind it, it it's just it puts me to sleep and it's it's so cringy to me and i'm like oh my gosh like light, lighten up <laughs> like yeah. it's not so serious it's a magic trick you know have fun yeah, exactly and that's what exactly. my mentor always said at the very beginning uh, back to my mentor tony when I cornered him that night, his, uh, I still remember this advice he gave me. He goes, listen, you're going to learn so many cool things. And it's going to be stuff that people have no idea what you're doing. He goes, remember this, make sure you're having fun. If you're not having fun, the audience will not have fun. Always have fun. And when you stop having fun, just get out of the business. And I yep. like, I always thought about that. And I'm like, I always had fun. I've, I've had fun for 25 years, almost 30 years now. And it's just amazing. Like I miss it. Like, like when we performed at Verdi, I yeah. miss that feeling in my chest after you do a set and you're just like, and it was a good one grinning. and everything connected. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Grinning ear to ear. Yeah. And you're just like, Oh, and you just put it all on the table and, and it, Oh man. Yeah. Well, and that's a really great advice from your mentor, because honestly, that's part of the advice that I took. I mean, I don't know who he is, but that type of advice, I got to the point years ago as Conjurer started developing, I wasn't having fun doing magic. And, and I remember um, I went and I did Yuma and 
I sat down with Terry Godfrey because he he said he'd watch my set and I was doing cups and balls and there were a couple things that technically I was getting lazy on like body position and things like that that I was just kind of throwing it in and he was like you know you're flashing this here you're doing this do you even realize you're doing it which I mean can happen when you perform a trick that many times all of a sudden maybe you're not as crisp as you used to be yeah and I really I spent some time after that really trying to rework that routine and rework my show and it was somewhere in that six months after Yuma that year that I was like I'm not really having fun doing magic anymore why am I still doing it at which point I pretty much I did like the last handful of shows that I had contracted and after that it was it was the fortune machine because that's where I got really excited was what can I turn this new project into how can I connect with an audience through this medium instead of the old medium of magic so it's great advice you know if you get to the point where you're just so sour on something you'll telegraph it to your audience. If you're not having fun, they will know. And you're going to. Well, yeah, it. that's what it is. That's uh, the other term is, uh, you know, a good friend of mine always said this, and I've always believed this too. And I had heard the term before he said it. I heard him say it in an interview, but performance is the best form of therapy. And when you walk out on stage or you walk out to perform, you got to flip the switch. You leave your problems because if you do, if you have your problems in your head, when you're trying to perform, you're going to convey that. And sure. they're going to be like, so. Yeah. And then another thing to note, like you were saying about connecting back, back to the Washington State Fair when you uh, got hired there and the magicians coming up. Uh, some other advice that somebody gave me at the beginning was, you know, connecting with your buyers is so important and giving them a reason that they want you over somebody else right. is I always I make sure they know that they're going to get their sets. Like when I when I present my package to a fair. I'm going to cover everything no matter what. So have you ever been at a fair where it starts to rain, magician or whatever act will just shut down the show, not perform. It's like right. I have a contingency plan. I'm like, I will move my act indoors. I'll go under sure. this right over here, you know, under the awning if I have to <clears throat> bring my own personal mic and my own sound system so I can make that mobile move really easy. Yeah. So they're going to get their value and I'm going to make sure that their sets are going to get done. Yeah, oh. I do the same and it, with Conjure. And a lot of times, just because the the nature of, of the fortune machine, mm -hmm. uh, I can't necessarily just be like, well, I'm just going to go put it in here because it may not, it just may not work there. But if that means that tomorrow I do four shows instead of three, they will get that set. I will make sure of it. That's, yeah. You know, the only time that doesn't happen is when it's like, you know, last, last set of the fair, it's, you know, 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. Sunday and then it rains all evening. I'm like, hey, we ran out of time. I, you know, I can't can't fix that but um yes i will i will not skip out just because of rain i will come up with a plan just like you to make sure that it that show still happens and they get their money's worth it's a great point you know you connect with the buyers i think you've probably seen the same over over the years you've probably been to fairs where you've seen performers that were way better than you and performers that were definitely nowhere near as good as you were and at the end of the day, it's what's that performer's relationship with the buyer? Having a good relationship with the people you work with, that's the key to everything. Yeah, yeah. And delivering a good show, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, having the relationship, but if, uh, if you don't have the goods, that's why, you know, for years when people would be like, what's the first thing I need to do to be, you know, successful as a, as a magician or as an entertainer? And I'm like, have an act? None of the books growing up ever said that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's like chapter one, have an act. You know, it is just because you bought some, you know, five or six tricks at a magic shop does not make you a magician, does not mean you have an act. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, let's look back uh, real quick here at 2020, because I wanted to chat with you about the, you know, the pandemic a little bit. Um, last March, 
everything fell apart. Everything started canceling. What starts going through your head when you start getting those cancellation phone calls? Uh, oh my goodness, this is really happening. <laughs> like what kind the of heck? surreal. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very interesting. So 2020, I, uh, had a, I, I had snapped a uh, tendon in my thumb in 2019 in a soccer game and played indoor soccer. And in January of 2020, right after the uh, WFA convention, I had a, a surgery on it to fix the tendon. They took a little tendon out of my arm and fixed my thumb and now it's all perfect. But I had that done in January and I was supposed to be ready to go back to work in April. Well, then we all know what happened in the middle of March. And I'm like, oh, great. So I just figured, ah, okay, we're going to be closed for a couple months and a couple weeks maybe. And I'll be back in May and then May cancels. And then yep, we're getting to yep. June and everything in June's can I'm like, oh my goodness, this is real, you know? So it was very difficult. So not only did I have, like, I had the surgery, I'm coming off. So I didn't work from January, February or March. Right. Because I was healing. Um, I had a heartbreak. So, you know, I'm dealing with that. And like I said before, you know, it's like the best uh, form of therapy is performance. Well, I didn't have any performance. There was no performance for me. I had no therapy. I was like, so I couldn't get over, I couldn't get over like, I was, I was nerd. I was like, I had a lot of on my mind about my surgery to make sure my thumb was going to work again. I, you know, was dealing with my personal thing. And then I was like, here I am, I'm not performing. And it doesn't look like I'm going to be performing for a long time and performing yeah. online. Wasn't really my jam doing video zoom shows just wasn't my jam. Cause I'm not, I, I, I need a live audience and that's how I connect and that's how I, I feel it. You know, so it, I've did a few of them, but it just wasn't what I was interested in doing. Right. So, um, and then, so what I had to get me through it was, you know, my son, my, I have an awesome son and it was neat just to watch him. That was my therapy is watching him blossom. He made a, a terrible situation and he turned it into something really amazing, which I wish every child out there, cause there's so many kids that didn't have opportunities. Like my son, you know, he uh, went off to, you know, flight school and started flying planes. And it was just amazing to watch him. So that got me through everything. Just yeah, watching him blossom and graduate and going off to college now and all that. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wild to me when I look at you to think that you got a college, college age son, but then I think I'm 42 and, you know, I've got friends who their kids are graduating from college that I went to high school with. And I'm yeah. like, wait, I got a 10 year old. Wait, hold on. Well, wait. <laughs> well, he's graduating in two weeks. So we got two I weeks, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's going to be weird. I don't know what it's going to be like, you know, I've had him at home all this time. He's going to be off to college in September and living at the dorm. He's, he's going to CWU oh, yeah? in Ellensburg there taking an aviation. And so I'm like, I don't even know what it's going to be like here. Like I'm going to, I'm not going to have my buddy. I, I'm definitely, I'm going to call be, it empty nester. Is, is it right? I, so young to be an empty nester. So going to be a bachelor something. pad again. <laughs> oh Lord. Oh Lord. It's going to be bachelor pad. Yes. I can just see you, you know, going to the bar and being like, want to see a magic trick? Oh, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Listen, so it's uh i mean yeah last the last year was was uh insane i mean not only uh, we had stuff going on here you know there were some some things going on with our family that we haven't really ever even talked about publicly but um you know between that and then the pandemic hitting and uh just the world melted down like in in, in you're in portland right actually no i live up in, in vancouver washington just right across the columbia river so oh okay i, I 
my PO box and business is all based out of Portland. Oh, it's based, but you're in Vancouver. I'm in Vancouver, which is like five miles away. Oh, got it. You're just on the other side. Okay. But yeah, so I grew up, I, I lived in Portland until like, I didn't, I, I took custody of my son when he was six. Oh, got He's it. 18 now. Got and it. when that happened, I moved from Portland back over here because it's where my family lives here. And so they were able to help me with him. When I, I had think my brother-in-law, when he first moved up that way, may have lived in Vancouver and, and he lives just, I think he's just outside of Portland now. Um, but uh, so I was going to ask you, you know, in the middle of all this, you've got the pandemic and you've got all this crisis going on. And then um, you, Portland kind of melts down. Um, you know, you got all those, at least from what the, the TVs are showing all the rest of us is, you know, downtown Portland's just, you know, being looted and rioting. And I, I mean, how was that to deal with in the middle of all of this COVID crisis? Um, I don't know. I don't never went to Portland. So I, I, I like, I went through Portland. <laughs> you, avoided, you were able to avoid that. It but, wasn't a big deal for you. Yeah. There was no gigs. So I, there was no reason to go to Portland. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I miss going down and doing all the food cart stuff. But, you know, during the pandemic, that just wasn't really something we could do. So I'm hoping that it's all cleaned up. Uh, yeah, I know they've done a lot of work the last couple of weeks because, you know, we were having the uh, the riot crisis and homeless crisis and all that. So I, I, I don't know, man. I'm hoping that Portland comes back. Portland's a beautiful city and yeah. it's just it's amazing city. And there, it's so much just there's a lot of awesomeness there. Um, but I just hopefully that all this stuff will come back and all the business come back. Yeah. It looks different down there. I bet it drove does. through. Yeah. I bet it does. It looks like, yeah. at least from what the, of course, and I always wonder, I mean, I worked my degrees in television production. I worked in TV news for a little bit um, when I, right after I got out of college. And I always wonder how much of what we see on TV, because they, on TV, they make it look like the whole city's just, you know, for a while there, they were like, the whole thing's just burning to the ground. And, yeah. I wonder, is it really, or is it like three blocks and you're just getting yeah. the camera angle where it's going to draw the most viewers? You know what I mean? You're right. Yeah. Honestly, I, I didn't really get involved. So I yeah. don't like know too many of the answers. I've had people tell me that it's only three blocks and then I've had people tell me it's stuff's happening all over. So I, I really, yeah. I can't answer that because I don't go over there and I'm, I'm not a participant. You, just, you stay, you maintain your lane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I... I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm raising my kid and I'm trying to make ends meet and totally. I don't like, it's just, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't what I was interested in participating in. Yeah. I got you on that, but we're now, uh, we're recording here June 3rd of 21. Things seem to be starting to go our way again. We spoke earlier about connecting there in Arizona last month and, uh, that was nice. I mean, it's good to be moving again and seeing some motion, uh, within the industry. What's the rest of your year look like now? It's looking good. Uh, I've only had one drop off that I had booked from before, but uh, it's looking pretty good. I um, got about one. I got I got one fare this month and two next month. August was full, but we lost one. So yeah. September's pretty good. So you know, it's about a half of a season, I would say. That's, that's what, what I'm I, looking at too. I've still had a couple that have have fallen off, and you know, I I feel like fares just need to get. Jeremy Parsons described it as the 21 fares are going to be like the lifeboat that gets them to a full fare in 22. So I just yeah. want to see fares open. Even yeah. if, even if they can't bring in all the entertainment, even if they got to cut me or like open, get healthy and let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just ready. <laughs> like everybody. Right. So you're based out on the West coast. Um, now is that your primary service area or do you travel nationwide to perform? 
I travel nationwide. Absolutely. Uh, based out of, you know, the Pacific Northwest is my hub, obviously. Right. Uh, but yeah, get, getting down to California and, and uh, up to Seattle and stuff like that's no problem. So, but cool. yep, I'll travel anywhere. It depends on what, what they're having me do sure. and how much gear I got to take and what type of show it is. So. Now, are you typically like if they were to hire you for like a strolling close up thing, is that something you can do fly in or do you still have to drive? Well, that I could fly in. Absolutely. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, it's so funny. I, you know, I look back at my career and when I was doing magic, I was like, how do I get a show that plays that I can do a stage, you know, stand up show that I can do a strolling show and that I can fly with it anywhere. It all packs down in a suitcase. I'm like, how do I figure that show out? And now yeah. I went from that to a fortune machine that while I can fly with it, if it's an isolated date, I try to, I'll, you know, I usually try to route it and drive. And then we go to play with giants where I'm like <laughs> driving everywhere. I'm like, I'm going the wrong direction. <laughs> I need oh, to go back yeah. to something that I can, I, I can throw in a suitcase and fly and be there in two hours. Yeah. So what's, I'm curious, what's a fair, cause you've done a lot in your, your time in the industry now. Um, what's one fair that you haven't had a chance to work that you would love to go work? One fair. Oh, wow. You know, I've always heard, at the South Florida fair was awesome. And yeah. uh, I've been in talks with her a couple of times. I just didn't have the product they were looking for at the time or right. whatever reason is, but that sounds like a fun one down there. Having done the South Florida fair can verify it is one of the more <laughs> awesome fairs in this industry. I mean, just it, the it, area, I got friends down there. It just, it would be so, so neat to be there and, and uh, rock out that fair and, yep. and have to see all my friends and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's a, they do a tremendous job. Um, you know, Rick, who was there for a long time, was a fantastic uh, CEO. And now Vicky's handling things that he's retired. And, you know, they've done two fairs in five months. They did their mini fair in January. And then just for the, uh, during Florida convention a couple of weeks ago, they did a full fair, like a full 17 day run. That's I'm like that. The, the end, it was apparently was just packed. It was miserably hot. You know, there's a reason that fair is typically in January because by May in South Florida, it's starting to get steamy down there. So, but they mm-hmm. did it. Um, apparently they just, they crush numbers. They completely, you know, I would expect nothing less from that career. So that's a great, definitely a great fair. Well, it seems like everywhere it's crushing numbers. Like we were in Verde, they crushed it. Like, you remember how like Oh, the line. Do you remember I that for the that. the two for one deal or whatever? Like wrapped all the way down the midway and like out to the parking lot and down yeah. the street and down. It was to like the... who came to Verde Valley Fair? Everyone. Everybody. <laughs> it was like what? everybody. Uh yeah, I think on that Friday Thursday night or Friday night, whichever it was, they did that special. I don't think um I, I literally think if someone was a was a was a house burglar and was just gonna go burgle TVs. Like I really think they could have just had any house they wanted because everybody was at the fair. The police were at the fair. There was yeah. nobody anywhere else in town. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. That was that's cool though, man. I mean, what a thrill it was to finally be back out there and to have such a. I mean, and that's a little fair, but to have such a nice group of folks to kind of get the gears turning and get moving again. That was terrific. Yeah, it just felt good to get arrested for fooling the public again. That's that's what uh <laughs> Oh, that's true. You, know? you always you always have a picture getting arrested, don't you? Oh yeah, I've got about that's 60 pictures. Picks. Yeah, 60 pictures. Always security or a police officer uh arresting the magician for fooling the public. 
Uh-huh. And then uh, I'm always asking my buddy Eric Haynes to bail me out. It's just an ongoing gag that's been going on for years. So that's funny. Eric's a good guy. We had him on the show earlier in the uh, in season two. Really good dude. But I haven't actually been arrested. So it's it's all yes, it's for all cl- yeah. For clarification, it's a it's a gag. It's a staged it's a, gag. It's a staged but, gag. I think I might have taken one of the pictures once, maybe like in night 2019 at Verity Value. I might have been the one that took the picture for you. I can't remember. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so people have. Yeah, but the men in blue are really good sports to do that, and it just shows. Uh, you know, they're all human. And they're having fun and you know, out there to do their job. So. Oh yeah, we can't do what we do in this industry without our partners in law enforcement and in uh, the fire department. So. Uh, big shout out to them. Curious though, you've been doing a magic a long time. If you weren't doing magic, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh, well, it could be uh, maybe comedy. Maybe stand-up comedy. Um, maybe, uh, you know, originally when I, before I started magic and stuff, I, when I graduated, I was going to college to be a, be a doctor. <laughs> so it might be a doctor. Really? I, I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and you were like, my... yeah, I don't want to make a really good living. I'd rather go. Yeah. Was... Magician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, I was taking my anatomy and physiology classes and biologies. And and uh, after a year, I decided I was going to be a magician for the rest wow. of my life. And yeah, wow. one thing just 30 years later and never look back. So people always come up to me and my old friends are like, wow you've actually made that out of the sloth, you know, I'm like, yeah, I never really think about it because I'm just going, you know, and trying right. to. Yeah. I kind of, I look back sometimes at, at, you know, I'm about to turn 42 here in a week and uh, I look back and I'm like, is there a point, like, as I started growing up and I, especially through college and becoming an adult, it was like, okay, eventually I'm going to make it. And it wasn't until that I was somewhere in my thirties that I was like, what does that even mean to make it? Like, right you know does that does that mean I'm, i do so many fairs in one year that i have all the money i'm ever gonna need and like okay i made it i'm going to the beach like what is what does make it even mean and to me i'm just like there's <clears throat> i think part of growing up and and discovering yourself and and how things go is just figuring out that um at the end of the day there's always something else you still got to figure out right right down to the end you know what i mean you just Absolutely. keep pushing through and there's not there's not like one defining moment where you go okay yeah i'm good i did everything yep because <laughs> somebody know? yeah yeah because some for some reason the cheese is always being moved and you have yep. to figure out how to get to it and and uh which is a great book i just read uh somebody moved my cheese I don't yep, know if you've read that my book, cheese yeah, yeah great book but uh yep. Sarah had that one. She had me read it years ago and it was just, it's such a simple book, but it's this concept that I think for a lot of people escapes them, you know, and mm-hmm. now when you, um, it applies now really more than ever. If you consider in the pandemic, there's, you know, a lot of people that are looking at a career change that, you know, they, they weren't an essential employee employee. So their business was closed or whatnot. And now it's like, well, who moved my cheese? Well, it doesn't really matter who it was. You just got to go figure out where your cheese is now. And that may yeah. mean like for guys like you and me that it may or may not continue forward in the fair industry. I think for us, it probably will. But some folks certainly, um, you know, I can uh, in the back of my mind right now, I've got a couple of names that are they're out. And that's because in the interim, they yeah. went and started other jobs and other careers and they went, hey, wow. I've got a benefit package now and I'm making, you know, $67,000 a year. I don't have to you know, I don't have to sweat all the business stuff. And they found, they found different cheese and hats off to them. If as long as they're happy and they're, they're growing. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed it's just, yeah. The pandemic, when that hit, it was like, you know, you work all these years building up your runs and your years and your, your contracts for the next year and, and everything's flowing and you're going. And then it was just dead stop. Like, yeah, what am I supposed to do now? And I, I was just fortunate that fortunate to get through this without going too much in the hole, but, you know, I had to use reserves to kind of make it and just, uh, and, uh, fortunately I've always kind of lived under my means yeah. you know, with having my kid, you know, cause I, I got to care for him. I got to make sure he's taken care of and got to make sure we have a roof over our head and insurances are paid and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I got, I got I'm just really blessed and real fortunate that I had to use all the reserves to make it through, but I'm okay. Yeah. I just have to rebuild it back up. And it's kind of like, we're all starting again. It is, you know, um, it was definitely financially a challenge. And I say that even being one of the lucky people who, you know, Sarah being an assistant principal, she worked through the whole thing. So her income wasn't disrupted, but you know, when you figure, uh, 50% of a household income vanishes, that's, yeah. that's a hell of a hit. And, uh, I feel, I really feel for the folks out there who were rolling solo and then all of their income disappeared. And, um, I'm just glad that it, I'm so relieved and so grateful that we're finally at a point that the science is really showing, you know what, we can open, we can do it safely. And we, and guys like you and me, we can get back to work. Absolutely. I think Arizona down there, it even sh just showed it right there. That, that, what a perfect model, right? Yep. <laughs> like, Flor yeah. Florida too. I mean, they opened the, and they're, they're crushing records everywhere and they're having minimal if any, I don't even know if it's noticeable on the curve of what any potential spread rate would be. I mean, I think I had read, um, don't hold me to this, anybody listen, but I think I read that after the Clay County Fair down in Green Cove, they had like 148,000 people. They set attendance records, I think, out of all of that. And they're just outside of Jacksonville. I think they only trace like 30 cases to the fair out of like 148,000 people. Yeah, yeah. So I think... I think we've, you know, our fairs, our early fairs for 21, Arizona and, and Florida for sure have shown that we can do this. We can do it yeah. safely and we can keep our, our guests safe. We can keep our employees and our entertainers safe and everybody can go have a good time and keep the economy moving. Yes, I agree. So, I agree. Well, listen, man, we're just about out of time. Uh, before I go, everyone who comes on the show goes through a little series of speed round questions. So I'm going to ask you six quick questions. You give me your best answer for each. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> ding ding what? ding I'm now ready. why does everybody when i say this take that deep <laughs> breath like oh my god what's about to happen oh man them. i'm getting pumped All up for this i need to just make this the video series forget going through and finding like the best video clips it's just everybody's speed round is what's going to get put out because now, everybody gets the same face where they're like oh jesus well, what is he gonna well, i don't know is it like cards with a cards against humanity yeah. or anything <laughs> like what's going on don't give me any ideas, Adam. Rated. All right, here we go. Uh, so this one's really difficult. You ready? Okay. Best concert you ever attended? Best concert I ever attended to Foo Fighters. First celebrity crush? Uh, oh, um, Alyssa Milano. Oh, for sure. Yeah, who's uh, the boss? Favorite fair that you've been to? Favorite fair? Oh, my gosh, that's not fair. Um, I'm going to put you, <laughs> I'm gonna, you on the spot. I'm going to say the North Idaho State Fair. It, why is that your next one on your route or what well they're going 10 days this year and uh they brought me in for their first 10 day fair, that's so. right she told me they're going 10 days uh cotton candy or funnel cake definitely funnel cake last book you read 
Last book, Who Moved My Cheese? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and last question. You can travel anywhere in the world when the pandemic ends. If cost is no issue, where do you go? Oh, there's two places I want to go, but I'm going to have you to can go pick with both. New Zealand. New Zealand. What's the other one? Japan. Oh, cool. Yeah. Definitely cool. Adam, where can folks learn more about you? Yeah, you can learn all they want and all the fun stuff at my website, adamthegreat.com. Adamthegreat.com. Right on- yeah, and there's uh, links to all my social media that are on there. There's uh, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Tinder, the, I think, uh, I think well, you can even find me. I knew I he think, was going to slip it in I there. Think you I think you can find it. me in. You might even be able to find me on LinkedIn still. Like, I don't know, but <laughs> does anybody still use it? I still get notifications, but. Um, oh, I yeah. knew you were going to go with the Tinder joke. I knew it. Yeah, well, you know, know. single, we got to start somewhere, right? Right. Funny. But- Adam the Great, magician, entertainer, all around good guy. Wish you the best of luck out there this year. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks, Rob. I look forward to seeing you at the next fair, buddy. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Air Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.